can you market active wear that stops you from catching COVID? Well, no. And that's what we're talking about today's episodes and how it can end up costing you $5 million. Welcome back to Keeping Up With The Consumer Law. This is episode three. My name's Joel Lisk, and as always, I'm joined by Joel Greger. G'day. And in this episode, we're talking about the 2021 case of the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission and Lorna Jane, and how they ended up making some misleading product claims that resulted in the Australian company paying $5 million in penalties. So, some pretty serious stuff. Yeah, I mean, it it touches on uh, what's been constantly surrounding us the last two, three years there, the pandemic and and claims that were made uh, in order to sell products during that time and how you can really go wrong. Yeah, well, before we jump into it, of course, um, this podcast is financially supported by the Law Foundation of South Australia. So, a massive thanks goes out to them. And a reminder that, as always, if you have any questions, feel free to send them through to us on any of our social channels or by heading over to our website, consumerlaw.media. So, Joel, what are we actually talking about and what did Lorna Jane do? Yeah, so to set the scene for this one, we are talking mid-2020, so July 2020, kind of right in the middle of that first big uh, peak of the pandemic here in Australia. Uh, you got to maybe cast your minds back a little bit. It's um, our, our world's changed quite a bit over the last couple of years there, but this is pre-vaccination. So we're talking like just after all the borders had closed properly, we're in full or jumping back and forth between almost lockdowns and is COVID real? I think that's pretty much when we started working from home really heavily, I think. Yeah, I, I've got a feeling we've already been working from home a couple of months by that point, just thinking how the semesters work there. But yeah, so we're working at home. We're maybe just starting to come back out in public a bit. Start, I think maybe starting to be able to go to gyms and that type of stuff. I think this may have been around the first emergence. But anyway, we're, we're right back in that early phase of COVID, yeah? July 2020. This is far before any vaccinations came out. Uh, quite a number of uh, incidences were rising and there was a lot of um, uh, general fear amongst the community as, as um, you know, rightly so. So it's important to consider all of this in that context. So we're talking about uh, some behaviour by this company. So Lorna Jane, PTYLTD, they're an Australian company. They sell activewear for uh, anyone who doesn't know of Lorna Jane if you're, um, I'd say, probably a female from teens to wherever, uh, you, you, you're probably aware of the activewear of Lorna Jane. Now, I'm not overly familiar with the product line. Are, are you? I mean, I, I can't say that I wear them myself, but um, they, they do get around a fair bit, uh, the, the Lorna Jane's leggings. They definitely have their own storefronts, right? They do, they do. There's uh, one uh, just not very far away from us at all where we're recording this right now. Uh, so you, I think they've got about over 100 uh, store locations around Australia. They sell online and they're also overseas. So a pretty um, serious and successful Australian business, really. Yeah, yeah. No, um, quite, quite a big name in the athleisure wear. So... This uh, this is concerning um, their marketing campaign at the time. So as I said, we're looking at the 2nd to the 16th of July, two weeks. It's not a very long period where the bulk of this happened. Uh, and there's a reason for that, which we'll get into. But This is right back in 2020. This is right back in 2020. So 2nd to the 16th of July, 2020. Uh, the stats... Uh, which actually were mentioned in the case, was that there'd been about 8,000 reported cases of COVID in Australia at that time and about 104 deaths. Um, On the 16th of July, for instance, uh, they were looking at 315 new cases. So that was when we were really starting to to build up those numbers and and it was all getting a little bit scary there. 
Um, it was in that setting that Lorna Jane, uh, when I say that, I'm referring to the company, made a series of statements as part of their marketing campaign, which they dubbed their LJ Shield activewear products. So we're talking about leggings, athleisure wear, clothing of that nature. So this is a particular line of their clothing. Yeah, the LJ Shield, LJ Shield activewear. And <laughs> the basis of that name is is these claims that they made about the way that they'd treated these products, that they'd applied their proprietary technology, which they'd developed, which killed viruses. Yeah. How about I let Lorna Jane uh, tell you? So if we go to the uh, concise statement with this uh, this matter when it was brought by the ACCC, we look back at the schedule there. So for those who might not know, a concise statement is actually a, a document that's filed by an applicant or someone bringing a proceedings in court that kind of sets out the basis for that claim. So in this case, we're actually talking about is it this the concise statement actually has a list of? Yeah, yeah, they've got they've got kind of a um, uh, example list of statements that were made amongst a, a, a range of platforms. Yeah, okay. So I've just got four that I thought I'd, I'd hit you with quickly here. Uh, these are the first four listed. Um, so this is on the second and the third of July. So the first one we've got is an Instagram story uh, on at Lorna Jane Activewear, which says introducing Lorna Jane Shield protecting you with antivirus activewear, and then was followed with an image and. And I think, Liz, we're probably going to put these images up on the um, show notes. Yeah, definitely. Website, aren't we? Yeah, because they're, they're pretty good. Go and have a look at those. So that was a pretty basic one. We then also have an Instagram story uh, on that same Instagram page, which says, here to protect you. So I'm assuming it's probably like the next photo that came up. Here to protect you. Here's where it gets good. LJ Shield is a groundbreaking technology that makes transfer of all pathogens to your activewear and, let's face it, the one we're all thinking about is COVID-19 impossible by eliminating the virus on contact with fabric. Uh, that was followed by an image of Lorna Jane pants. Uh, then uh, the third item in the concise statement is another story post. It says, LJ Shield is safe, sustainable and permanent. Applied as a water-based non-toxic mist, protects against bacteria, viruses, mold and fungus. No harmful effects on your body or the planet. Never washes out and is never absorbed into your skin. Uh, followed by some images of bacteria, virus, mold and fungi. And then we've got the media release. Uh, <laughs> this is good. So this is from the 3rd of July. It reads, Cure for the spread of COVID-19? Lorna Jane thinks so. Lorna Jane announces the launch of the world's first antivirus activewear. After spending two years developing a chemical-free treatment that when applied to activewear products, uh, sorry, that when applied to activewear protects, whereas against lethal viruses and bacteria around gyms like staff. We knew as people headed back to life and the gym post-COVID-19 that we had to get this product to market ASAP because now, more than ever, we need to stop the spread of harmful bacteria and viruses. This weekend, we launched Lorna Jane Shield, a bacteria and virus-killing non-toxic mist that permanently adheres to our fabrics to give you activewear that stops harmful pathogens in their tracks. One microbe of bacteria can multiply 7 million times within 24 hours, and viruses like COVID-19 can remain live on surfaces for up to 96 hours. Without being able to see these harmful pathogens, it's impossible to protect yourself from them. With Lorna Jane Shield, we are taking out the guesswork and stopping you from transferring viruses from the outside world to home and beyond to safeguard you, uh, yourself, and your family. 
As our stores reopened, uh, this is a quote, as our stores reopened, we wanted to protect our customers. We knew that bacteria and virus transmission was at its highest when trying on garments. So it was at that point we knew we had to fast... Jesus, a lot of it. Uh, fast track Lorna Jane Shield and get it on our garments as soon as possible. With Lorna Jane Shield on our garments, it meant that we were completely eliminating the possibility of spreading any deadly viruses. And that is a statement attributed to Lorna Jane Clarkson herself, the founder and chief creative officer. Um, creative indeed, Lisk. Creative indeed. There's a lot there. And like, I'm trying to think back. Like at the time, we were a bit, we were all kind of searching for that cure, weren't we? Um, that, you know, there was a president of some country that said, you know, you just drink bleach and that'll fix COVID. But it's it seems that an Australian business had it sorted, right? Yeah, just, just drink bleach or um, use the LJ Wear Active Shield. So, look, these are therapeutic representations, yeah? They're statements that are relating to health and I'll get a bit more back to that later, uh, why that's an interesting point. And it was made across a range of platforms, Instagram stories, media releases, as we covered, advertising on Lorna Jane's website, direct emailing of customers, Insta advertising. Now, that's a nice segue you just set me up with there, Lisk. Everyone was looking for, um, you know, treatments and cures and ways to uh, get on with life. So, what's the issue here? Well, we've got a this sounds great. We've got a company that's developed this technology. It will kill and completely destroy the membrane of these viruses. What's the problem? It was all completely false. <laughs> it was utter BS. There was there was no scientific basis to it. That was the problem. So you're telling me that this, this Australian cure for COVID, especially in the gym and when you're trying it on in store, no. Well, I'm telling you that that's what uh, Lorna Jane eventually admitted and filed in a joint statement, which we will get to. So, they actually admitted. So, they have admitted that there was no scientific basis for these statements. So, after the (laughs) 14 days, they they, they had this content running for? Yeah. So, they had it running for 14 days there. Um, Why such a short period of marketing? Well, the TGA, the Therapeutic Goods Administration, they issued three infringement notices on 17 July 2020. Oh, so very quickly, someone's gone, no. Yeah. It it didn't take long for... um, in fact, I think it's in that concise statement. Some of them are like replies in the comments sections on social media of the company and when they're replying to probably quite legitimate questions of, of their marketing. But yeah, so they got hit with three infringement notices by the TGA, uh, like, yeah, literally straight away, two weeks after, so 17th of July. Um, and oh, I'll touch on those a, a bit at the end and, and that therapeutic point. And because that's quite important because at the time, the, the Therapeutic Goods Administration were very heavy and um, cognizant of people making slightly off comments about diseases. And- yeah, yeah. Well, not even just slightly off comments, but um, just any references to the treatment of COVID. And yeah, we'll, we'll cover that at the end there because it's, it's kind of separate of the consumer law point. But I just think it's a good point to note in general about statements with healthcare. So that fell nicely within the ballpark of the TGA. And, you know, we're talking about clothing. So why TGA? But we'll, we'll get to that later. Notwithstanding, uh, so sorry, at that point, a lot of the marketing material has been pulled. Uh, however, it does look like uh, some of the statements were still being made on garment tags uh, on the clothing in store until November 2020. Oh, so you mean like the little cardboard things that sit on the, the clothes when you buy them? They yeah, were still the, hanging around the, for a lot tag, longer afterwards. The tags that were attached were still making uh, some of those claims. Not not all of the claims, but some of the claims were still being displayed. Um, but notwithstanding, they'd been displayed already in that July period. 
Okay, um, so they just kind of were still on stock and they didn't get taken off in time? Not, not sure what the reason was there, Lisco. I'd be, I'd be making assumptions. But anyway, the ACCC, uh, they instituted proceedings on 21 December 2020 uh, for misleading or deceptive conduct against the company, Lorna Jane PTO LTD, but also Lorna Jane Clarkson in her personal capacity. Uh, that was later dropped, though, That those personal. So that's going after the, the, the founder herself as yeah. well. Yep, so... The company was on the hook as a defendant, but also the founder and co-director and chief creative officer or whatever the description was there. Uh, she was also on the hook personally, and I initially. Guess, I guess that might have something to do with the fact that was it the quote was personally attributable to her. Yeah, I think some of these um, statements are also made on her personal social media. So, and and that's something that the um, that the judge touched on in the reasons. Uh, this came from a very high position. Yeah, this wasn't some um, social media manager who's in one day a week make of these statements. This has come from head honcho. Yeah, well, kind of, we, we've set that background now. You've told us about these relatively ridiculous claims. I mean, just to be clear, utter ridiculous. I, I, I honestly cannot fathom why these statements were made. And I would just be making assumptions and guesses if I elaborate on that any further. Um, I have also double-checked with Lisk, and this is a clean-rated podcast, so I'm really holding the expletives but thank you it boggles my mind i just i yeah i so some I do not get why the hell this is made but, so some somewhat <laughs> insane claims um but of course we're not here to just talk about crazy marketing um no. w- why is this important why did the ad triple c commence these proceedings and, and and what's the actual law that they've offended here yeah, so the law that applied here as far as the ACCC uh, claims were concerned, uh, that's the consumer law that we're, we're in at this at this point. So, it, again, the, most, the provisions about misleading or deceptive conduct. So, like last episode uh, with Uber, similar realm. So, uh, here, though, it touched on a few different points in the prohibitions against misleading or deceptive conduct we had um i don't want to go too much into the sections and get too technical but we've got uh that same one that keeps popping up a fair bit section 18 we, we tend to refer to that a bit about engaging in conduct that was misleading or deceptive or, or likely to be mislead or deceive there are a couple other provisions that popped up though as well uh, and that's the provisions that the ACCC can get penalties with so we've got um that the company or the defendant in connection with the supply, possible supply or promotion of the supply of this LJ Shield activewear made false or misleading representations that LJ Shield activewear had particular performance characteristics, uses and benefits which it did not have. And then also another provision uh, which is saying that alleging that the uh, defendants engaged in conduct that was liable to mislead the public as to the nature, characteristics and suitability for the purpose of that LJ Shield activewear. So we've got a, a kind of a three-way approach with a, a lot of different um, content and uh, kind of conduct to capture. Yeah, so I mean a lot of similarities there, but you've got those you know slight difference in words which capture those slight different approaches and and issues. Bit of nuance, and of yeah, course the, the the level of penalties the ACCC can seek oh, kind of yeah. changes a little bit across each one as well, doesn't it? Yeah. So with section eighteen, uh, I don't know how much you want to get into this now, but section eighteen that doesn't have the penalties applicable to it. Uh, sections uh, 29 um, and 33 is, are those other two and that's the one where the ACCC can bring penalties So and, and bring penalties that they did.
when we look at statements, we often look at the number of statements or the type of statements being made. Uh, I quote the judge here where it says the number of representations could not be ascertained. So by that, do you mean the number of times they made claims? Yeah, the the individual number of claims. The God knows how many. There, there are a lot of claims made. So is that like every time it was published, no one has any idea? Well, look, I'm sure you can work it out, but it's also not particularly necessary. Mm, okay. Is at least my thoughts on this matter. Look, instead, the way that it was dealt with was they've um, kind of chunked it into four categories of claims. And that's probably a, a more practical way of addressing this. And, and indeed, that's how oh, it was So presented. kind of like what we did last episode with Uber. We had the, the cancellation and the taxi claims. Kind of, kind of, yeah. To be honest, I'd already forgotten, so thanks for probably be there. Uh, but yeah, sort of a little bit different. But so we've got four types of representations that were made uh, throughout those advertisements, and, and some of these representations representations were in the same statements. But they can be uh, kind of characterised as falling into these categories. We've got representations that the LJ Shield eliminated. So, eliminated or killed pathogens or viruses, included COVID-19. So, they were the elimination representations. We had the representations that the LJ Shield Activewear protects wearers against COVID-19. So, the protection. So, that's quite specific. Oh, that's very specific. Yeah. So, eliminates, protects. We've got the representation that LJ Shield stops the spread of COVID-19. So, just a quick recap. We've got eliminated, protect stops the spread. The final one is actually representation that Lorna Jane had reasonable scientific or technological basis upon which to make its other categories of representations. So that fourth one is saying that they had a reasonable basis for making those other three types. Okay. So it's like, we've done some testing. Yeah. Well, again, some of the statements, if you look in the concise, uh, concise statements there, they refer to lab testing, uh, with a Taiwan company and all that. So pretty much the, um, the crux of it there is you're saying we've got a basis to make this statement to you when indeed they did not have that basis. That's what that fourth one's getting at. Okay, so we've kind of got the conduct now. We've got what the alleged misrepresentations were. So what actually was the result? Yeah, so the result of this one, uh, not sure if we said the word yet or not, but this is what's called a consent order. Do you want to talk us quickly through what a consent order is? Yeah, so we kind of touched on it a little bit last episode. So the consent order is is something um, where both parties actually make an agreed submission to the court and the court will essentially rule and deliver an order based on the consent of both parties. So it means it's not as contentious. Um, there are a lot of agreed facts and agreed circumstances. The court still has to look at the circumstances and make a judgment and make a decision, but um, it means you're not stuck in evidence for a little bit longer. And so I'm assuming then that's what's happened here. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So uh, what happened here is uh, I, shortly prior to trial, I can't remember the exact amount of time, but like it was pretty pretty close to when trial proceeded, uh, Lorna Jane conceded liability. So they've admitted that, yes, we have breached these provisions uh, prohibiting misleading or deceptive conduct. Uh, we, we are liable and will agree to these uh, joint submissions for orders to be made to the court with okay. the ACCC. Uh, the fact that it's a late admission, though, is, I think, important to note. They weren't on board from the get-go. Mm. So they've kind of looked at what they had and, and made a decision relatively close to having to defend it to go, you know what, it might be worth admitting which, this. Which, I mean, 
without knowing the real detail of it, um, I guess that's maybe somewhat commendable because you see a lot of cases go through to trial when they had no no purpose of being at trial. Oh, no. <laughs> There's a lot of that. There's a hell of a lot of that. So, um, uh, yeah, that didn't happen here. They've, uh, they've conceded. They've... Um, you know, whether, whether some adjustments have been made, don't know, we'd be reading into it essentially there. Um, but they've uh, agreed to these proposed orders with the ACCC. So those proposed orders, though, what, what does that mean? The judge still has to approve. Yeah, so the judge still needs to consider what the ACCC and Lorna Jane are putting forward as the orders and make sure that it's appropriate, uh, particularly the penalty was where a lot of the focus was here. Make sure that the judge is happy that that penalty um, is appropriate for the seriousness of the circumstances. So what was the penalty in this case? Yeah, so just to paraphrase, there was a fair few remedies uh, that were put forward here in this joint submission. Uh, the main one, I guess, here being though that penalty of $5 million. So it's, it's quite a significant penalty for well, essentially 14 days of conduct. Yeah, it's an expensive 14-day marketing campaign. Uh, but, yeah, that's what the parties uh, were, were putting forward as we think this is an appropriate amount. Uh, and, um, you know, spoilers here, but the, the, the court were happy with that. They, the court agreed. A couple other remedies which uh, I, I think are handy to note is that Lorna Jane, as part of this, was restrained from uh, making statements uh, similar to this uh, for, for a number of years. Um, they had to list a corrective notice uh, which is set out in the orders as to what it had to say, and it's pretty much saying, yep, we, we breached this by making these statements. Uh, they had put that in all the places where the initial marketing essentially would have been is, is kind of how that reads. Kind of on their Instagram page, on their website. Yeah, in their stores. Okay, so you're running a, a counter campaign for yeah. your original campaign. Yeah, it's pretty much a counter campaign, exactly. Then this is one that I, I quite like and, and I find quite interesting. One of the orders was that at their own expense, uh, Lorne and Jane had to engage uh, a suitably qualified person in consumer law to come in and develop a program and run it uh, for compliance with consumer law uh, for a number of years. And then Lorna Jane also had to pay the ACCC's costs. And so uh, there's about 370 grand there. So it's, it's a quite an expensive marketing campaign. I think it's fair to say. Oh, yeah, substantial. And, you know, what benefit actually achieved? Don't know. Don't know those figures. But um, look, it's a fair knock to them. I mean, we're still talking about it in 2023 now. So yeah, we started with antiviral activewear and ended with a $5 million penalty. That's the one and having to sit through consumer law classes. So yeah, well, and now you also talked a little bit about the, the TGA and therapeutic statements before. Well, you going to elaborate on a bit of that for us? Yeah, so this is the one that I just find quite interesting. So this was, uh, it's clothing, yeah, activewear, leggings. It's just clothing. So it's not treating me for anything. It's not, it's not a medical device, but I said before that these statements that were made in that campaign are therapeutic in nature. Yeah, they're about health and well-being. The TGA thought so as well. So when the TGA has brought these infringement notices on the 17th of July, they were based on the idea, uh, this is paraphrasing a lot here and it's more complicated than this, but essentially saying you've fallen within our realm of application now because you've made these statements saying your product is a therapeutic product cool, it's a therapeutic product. You need to comply with the laws that apply to therapeutic devices and products. So it's a really good reminder that 
the moment you maybe accidentally move one product into a bit of a different category, it can run the risk of being absolutely hammered by a whole new set of regulation. Stay in your lane. Yep, stay in your lane. Uh, don't flirt with the big boys in uh, in healthcare if uh, if you can avoid it. Um, I guess there's maybe a little bit of a takeaway there. But so as far as the TGA were concerned, they've hit Lorna Jane. And now talking about the scheme of things financial, it was a lot less than the ACC. I think it was about $39,000 in total, these three infringement notices, but it it seemed to stop this uh, this, uh, marketing campaign in its tracks. But... So what the TGA said, uh, and this is just going from their uh, their media release, in in fact, was that they believe that with those statements being made, uh, that's a therapeutic good within the act, and that just comes to the definition, even though it's indeed clothing. So then because of that, the advertisement... There were three things that they took issue with. It referred to therapeutic goods that were not included in the Australian Register of Therapeutic Goods because you can't register activewear. You can't register leggings, but you've just made it a therapeutic good. You're referring to one that's not registered, so that's a fair. You've breached there. So that's required before a therapeutic good can be lawfully supplied or advertised in Australia. Um, also under the Therapeutic Goods Act, any references to COVID-19, and this is what we spoke about earlier, uh, and any related terms in the promotion of these types of goods are restricted representations. So they've made a restricted representation, uh, and that usually refers to a serious form of disease, condition, ailment, etc., without getting prior formal approval permission from the TGA. So in this case, it would be we're not we're stopping you from getting COVID. Uh, yeah, it was saying um, yeah that it will protect you, it will kill the COVID. Just the fact that it deals with COVID and you and it's about a therapeutic good, and you didn't get the approval before talking about and making references to COVID for this type of good, because it's fallen under that definition. And then uh, the final one is that it's also a breach of the um, the advertising code. With, sorry, the advertising code with therapeutic goods to promote a therapeutic good as being safe, harmless, or without side effects. Okay, so there's a lot more technical detail. Yeah, again, stay in your lane. You've suddenly opened up a whole can of worms by um, fictitiously dipping your toes into a healthcare product. So, Well, that kind of brings us, I think, to the end of the main case. So I thought, Greg, what's, what's kind of like your main takeaway then from this case? Like there's a lot to it. And I think the common sense aspect is quite important. It's like... Can it stop COVID? No. So why are we saying it? But kind of what are your key takeaways? Yeah. Uh, why did I pick this one as my first case to talk about of, of all the cases we could, we could talk about? I mean, A, it just left me completely uh, boggled when I read it as they why this happened and, and who thought this was a good idea. But why I thought it was a good one to talk about um, on the show is... It touches on the fact that misleading statements were made around healthcare. They're taken very, very seriously uh, by the regulators and by the courts. So you can really open yourself up to quite substantial penalties and other um, uh, difficulties if you're making misleading statements in the healthcare realm and see them all the time. Uh, Open up social media, they're there constantly. It also shows some of the range of remedies available under the ACL. You know, we had the penalties, we had the notice of correction, we had the um, consumer law training. So there are a bunch of options there, uh, which is one of the real benefits of the ACL. And then also just shows how action here can be brought against a person in a personal capacity, even though it was a company uh, that was the entity driving this because the ACCC identified uh, this this person in their personal capacity is being heavily involved 
they brought proceedings against her initially as well. Now, they were dropped and, and the orders were made only against the company, but it just shows you how careful you need to be uh, if you're a business making statements and you think you're protected because of your company structure. Not always the case. Great. Well, that was episode three of Keeping Up With The Consumer Law. Um, thank you for giving us a listen. Now, as always, you can find out more information in the show notes or by heading over to our website, consumerlaw.media. Now, if this episode has raised any legal issues or questions for you, um, you can head over to our website to find out more information on where you can get legal assistance or, of course, you can reach out to your friendly neighborhood lawyer. Our next episode um, still sticks with the theme of misleading or deceptive conduct with a bit of a discussion of ACCC and Trivago, a case from... Uh, 2020 that actually ended up in the full court of the federal court so there's a a lot of detail to go through there Um, so next time that's what we're hitting on now just a reminder that you can also keep up to date with the podcast by following us on instagram twitter facebook linkedin or by heading over to our website consumerlaw.media so with that and we'll catch up with you next time i was going to sign off with a joke about leggings but i feel like i've nearly crossed that defamatory line as it is so i think we'll leave my sign off there Great. Cool. See ya.